0: we They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: On your journey, don't forget to smell the flowers. Take time out to notice that you're alive. You can only live in one day. Ray Fearon.
2: I was camping at this place called Annapolis Rocks in Maryland. Really cool view. I stayed out there for the sunset. And I set up my tent uh, in one of the designated spots. It was kind of like a designated campground there. And I went down, put my food on a bear pole. So they actually had poles rather than a bear box or just hanging it with lime. So I put my food on the bear pole, went down and watched the sunset after dinner. And this group of... Probably like 18 to 20 year olds, they seemed like local day hikers, Um, they came up, they were watching the sunset, they were kind of blasting music, which I was fine with, I didn't really mind too much, but uh, I think other people were getting a little aggravated, and I heard them just like throwing stuff around, and after the sunset I left, I realized they left all their rappers and all their trash on the cliffs there, uh, which I was bummed about. But I remember hearing one of the kids say, oh, Pop-Tarts, when, uh, when I was watching the sunset. So I'm like, oh, I love Pop-Tarts. And uh, I went back to my tent to go to bed, and I realized my food bag wasn't on the bear pole where I had hung it. So I was like, what is happening? There's no way a bear came in with all these people around and-, and took my food off of a pole that's supposed to keep it away from them. <laughs> and so I'm like, what's going on? And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, pop tights.
1: <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place, for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get to this week's guest. This week, I'm excited to welcome long trail through hiker and peak bagger, Matthew schmutz Lyons to the pod. How's it going, Matthew?
2: Going well, going well. How are
1: you, Doc? Thanks for having me. Fantastic. Great to have you on. You know, we had this scheduled for a couple weeks back, but uh, something got in the way of that. What's, what's going on with you? Uh,
2: yeah, I, I felt terrible. I ended up having some tonsil surgery. I had to get my tonsils removed. And uh, when you asked me to do the podcast, I figured i need to talk. So it didn't really work out that I couldn't at the time. <laughs> so I, I unfortunately had to reschedule, but I'm stoked to be here. So. Yeah. How are you, how are you feeling? Better, definitely better. So it's almost three weeks post-surgery and the first week I couldn't leave my couch. It was super nice out and I was on vacation from work so I planned it so I would be on break so I didn't take sick time and it was the nicest week weather-wise and I was just inside on the couch. I tried to get out as much as I could just sitting out in my yard but it ended up being uh, not the most fun but
1: well, glad you're doing better. And yes, I have found it to be very helpful in the podcasting game if the guests are able to talk. So, you know, <laughs> I, was, I was grateful to give you the time so that we could have a good conversation
2: today. Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: <laughs> hey, and you know what? This episode, we are recording on May 10th. This episode is going to come out a week from today, May 17th. And I'm excited to share with the listeners that I've got something in the works for Sunday, May 16th. So by the time you're listening to this, this will already have happened. But I'm going to include what happens on May 16th in a future episode. And so I'm, in, I'm located in Southern California. I'm about a half hour away from Agua Dulce, which is on the PCT. Cool. And I'm, I'm planning on doing some trail magic this Sunday, the 16th, out in Agua Dulce at nice. uh, in, Indian Canyon Trailhead. The PCT goes right through that parking lot, and so I will be set up. uh, I'll have uh, breakfast sandwiches, donuts, beer, soda, water, all kinds of good stuff for for my PCT friends that are coming through. And I will also have the wheel of wilderness with me. My daughter, half calf, her trail name. She doesn't do much hiking, but you know she picked up a little trail name, half calf. There you go. She made uh, uh uh. a spinning wheel with different categories on it. She's going to be an elementary teacher if you you couldn't guess, but uh, (laughs) we're going to call this the wheel of wilderness and the different categories on the wheel, which I'll have our our PCT through hikers spin is one of them is trail name and the story behind it. Another is your favorite piece of gear. Uh, Most embarrassing trail moment. (laughs) Best campsite. Worst campsite favorite trail moment so far what's up ahead that you're dreading and the ever popular hikers choice category you'll be able to check pick any one of those those uh those uh, categories and, and tell me a little story about it and what i'll do is i will compile all of the information i get all the interviews from from sunday and i'll, I'll pack it into an upcoming episode called stories from the pacific crest trail i love that that's awesome so, Pretty excited about that, and yeah. you, you schmutz, you will be answering all those questions in this
2: episode, of course. So stay tuned for I'm all of that. And ready okay. for it. <laughs> Very good. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we appreciate uh, we appreciate you out there with the trail magic, and it's one of the best things to see. And yeah, so thanks for yeah. doing what you're doing.
1: Yeah, this is my first time doing it, but I figure I'm so close to the trail and. You know, I've had so much fun talking to long trail hikers on this podcast that, uh, I, I, you know what, this is going to be a fantastic event. So I'm, I'm really excited about it.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome.
1: All right. So I've referred to you as Schmutz a couple of times. Yep. I'm assuming that's not on your driver's license. It's not on your paycheck. No, I
2: wish. I wish. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so I have to assume this is a trail name. I want to hear how you picked it up and what, what's the story behind it?
2: Yeah, so it was actually um, one of my my buddies who I met day one on the Appalachian Trail. And people have critiqued the way I pronounce Appalachian. People say Appalachian, but it's just my northern ways. So anyway, Appalachian Trail. I met this guy, uh, Aquaman, day one at Stover Creek Shelter, which is like mile two on the trail. And we hiked together with a couple other buddies, Falcon and Aloha throughout the first week or two of trail. And I actually hiked with them through Daleville mile 700. And we had a blast. So it turned out the first week, I was going by Matt, I didn't have any trail name. Um, His name was Aquaman from the long trail. And we were just kind of figuring it out. I wanted to get it naturally. And I carried this extremely heavy tent. So most people know that People try and go lightweight on the trail. And I had this two-person freestanding tent. It was a mountain hardware tent that was called the Drifter. So I called it the Drifter, naturally. And whenever we got to camp, I would set it up. And since it was freestanding, I would just shake it out above my head. I'd pick the whole tent up. Aquaman has some pictures of me doing that. And I would shake it out. And I kept saying I'd be getting the schmutz out of it. So, for some reason, I liked that word at the time.
1: It's a, it's a good word,
2: schmutz. Yeah. <laughs> Covers yeah. a lot of ground. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, I would shake that out, and I kept saying, I was getting a schmutz out of it. And we were all sitting around a fire, uh, probably day seven or eight, once we got to camp. And they're like, hey, we should just call this guy schmutz. He keeps shaking out his tent and, and saying he's getting the schmutz out of it. So, it kind of stuck from there. So.
1: Nice. Now, there, there were four guys. There were Schmutz, Aquaman, Aloha. Who was the fourth? And uh, Falcon. Falcon. Falcon
2: at the time. Yep.
1: All right. And yep. you mentioned that you are
2: up north somewhere. Where, where are you located right now? I'm in uh, southern New Hampshire. I'm in Manchester, New Hampshire. So, i okay. in the metropolis of Manchester. Metropolis. <laughs> Population of? I think it's like 100,000. It's the okay. biggest city in New Hampshire. So.
1: Okay, well, for what it, it's worth <laughs> it is the metropolis then very good yeah yeah all right so you are you are uh, conveniently located near the Appalachian Appalachian Trail
2: I am yeah I'm like an hour and 20 minutes away maybe a little less so okay it's, it's nice I do get up there I hike most of the time in the whites and, and do some sections every once in a while so
1: nice it's, it's nice being trail adjacent
2: it is. It is. As you know, being close to the PCT, it's, it's nice if you want to get out there, just bring back some memories, do some trail magic, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm loving it here. Yep. And you look like you're a young guy. How, how old are you? I am 26. I turned 26 in January. Okay. Um, so fairly young. I don't know. I like to think I'm young, but yeah, oh, yeah. 20, 26 is young. Enjoy. Yeah. It.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, have you listened to the podcast before?
2: Yeah, I listened to a couple episodes. Um, I just recently listened to the To Measure a Mile episode Mm -hmm. with the three guys. Those um, guys were hilarious. Yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. So I I know since they were filming their PCT journey and I'm hoping to do something similar, it would be interesting to see what they had to say and get their insight so
1: yeah don't give too much away we're going to talk about that oh because, absolutely uh, not. Later in the
2: <laughs> did you watch
1: did you watch chris carter's uh documentary yeah. to measure yeah. a mile
2: really inspiring i really liked it and learned a lot from it so it was yeah. great you looking forward
1: to the uh was it a dead coyote in the in the cistern or dead fox i mean
2: there are a lot of things i'm looking forward to i don't know if that's top of the list but <laughs> <laughs> I'll drink the water if I need to. So,
1: <laughs> all right, very good. Got to do what you got to do. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. The only reason I ask if you've listened to the podcast is I want to make sure that you're aware of the uh, pro tip insight of the week. That's a, yep. a regular segment. I'll, I'll turn to you towards the end of the episode and ask you for your pro tip, where you can share, you know, a, a bit of trail wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even better. Perfect. I'm ready for it. Okay. Very good. Very good. Hey, another feature we've been doing this season is the must bring gear review. And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that piece of gear, even better. So Schmutz, what do you think? What's your must
2: bring piece of gear? Um, One thing I would say I need to bring is, let's think about this one a little bit, Um, definitely a headlamp, especially, I think, I think just a good headlamp, I think there were a couple times I did a little bit of night hiking on the trail, and it was an experience I wouldn't have wanted to miss out on, and especially around camp, when you're packing stuff up and getting things ready at night, if you get to camp late, it's really good to have some light. Other than your phone to to kind of rummage around your stuff with, I know it's kind of generic, but I would say uh, a good headlamp is one one that okay. I would choose. Do you have a favorite favorite brand for that? Um, I used Petzl on the trail. I recently changed to a Black Diamond. I'm going to try for the uh, my upcoming hikes. So. Okay.
1: And tell us, tell us about night hiking because some of our listeners might be thinking, you know, night hiking, why would you hike during the night? You'd miss, you'd miss all the (laughs) sights but it's, it's a different experience.
2: It is. Yeah. And I primarily did it when I was doing like sunrises more, more, more so in the mornings. I know on the PCT, it happens quite a bit more if you're going through the desert and you want to avoid the heat. But, uh, on the AT, we did quite a few sunrises. Aquaman was notorious for. Dragging everyone up the mountains in the morning to to catch the sunrise, which I don't regret one bit, but uh, we would usually wake up well before the sun and do some night hiking then and catch like a really cool view from the peaks so nice yeah Very good all right and what what was your what was your kit
1: like uh on the appalachian trail how how much um, that weigh? what was your base weight
2: It's changed quite a bit, I'd say my base weight. I'm going to, I'll, I'll start by saying this. When I left Amicalola in Georgia, which is the start, I my total pack weight with food and water was like 38 pounds. It's pretty, pretty heavy. Um, I'd say my base weight was probably 18 pounds, like nothing nothing too light, but uh, I've definitely changed quite a bit in my kit since then. So a lot of upgrades and trial and error. But Okay. And I know you've got
1: a, a southbound PCT hike. Uh, planned for for this summer how is how what, what's your base weight now what what are you going into that with um
2: base weight's right around 11 pounds so 10 or 11 pounds and i've definitely cut down quite a bit uh, i've changed a lot of things new pack new uh new quilt new tent so a lot has changed and i'm excited to kind of announce some of that gear and what that gear list looks like pretty soon and i'm happy to talk about it if you have any any
1: okay yeah let's talk about the, the highlights what are the big changes from the at pack to the pct pack
2: <laughs> so i'm going with i carried an osprey which great pack all around mm-hmm. i really liked how comfortable it was and how well it carried weight used the um 50 liter atmos osprey on the at mm-hmm. and i switched over to a hyper Light for the pct i know it's becoming pretty common along the trail especially on the pct and I really like the way it carries so far. I've taken it on some overnights, but um, I haven't gotten any like real mileage on it. So I'm curious to see how it plays out. But yeah, so, that's already like two pounds off there. So the Hyperlite, that's frameless, right? And so it's not yeah. for heavy loads. It's got, yeah, it's got some like small rods in the uh, the back panel. But for the most part, it's much more minimalistic than the Osprey. So. <laughs> so do,
1: doing 35 pounds in the Hyperlite would not be recommended, but if you, if you're doing no. 11 pounds, that's, that's ideal.
2: Yeah. So what I, I mainly switched a lot of my other gear before um, I switched over to the Hyperlite. Cause I know I wouldn't want to be carrying that weight with that type of pack. So I made sure I had the gear to support it first, but yeah, I'm okay. excited to give it a go.
1: And what were some of the other changes? You said quilt. You went to a quilt instead of a Yeah, bag? so
2: I, I'm actually, I used a mummy bag on the AT and I'm switching over to a quilt for the PCT. I actually went down. I had a 20 degree mummy on the AT. I'm going to a 10 degree. I'm going to try out a 10 degree, at least for the start. Um, and I'm using an enlightened equipment uh, quilt, an Enigma. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see how that goes. I do still have my mummy bag. So once I get to like, oregon northern california if it's super hot i might have that shipped out but um we'll see how it goes i'm doing that as well i know that's kind of a big change people talk about quilts for sleeping bags and i don't know we'll see how it goes
1: Uh are you i'm a side sleeper so i always found the sleeping bags constricting and uh, i went to a quilt uh not not 10 degrees but i went to a quilt and uh i sleep a lot better
2: yeah yeah i actually that just gave me an idea idea for my uh my pro tip.
1: <laughs> okay. You
2: better write it so, down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And how about your tent? Are you doing, are you
1: doing a tent or you, do you do a tarp? How, what's that look like?
2: Yeah. So I had mentioned, I carried the really heavy two person tent on the AT. I actually am sticking with the two person. I love having the space of a two person tent and I didn't really want to go to like a tarp setup. I don't know. I kind of like having the enclosed space, especially with bugs and, mm-hmm. All that so i'm actually going with a tarp tent so a two-person tarp tent which i'm excited about it's a dcf tent which i haven't used um on any long trails yet so a lot of new gear i have tested them out i've done some some trial trips with them and i'm excited to see how they hold up but uh yeah so i'm going with a tarp tent two person double rainbow all right impressive yeah.
1: Now, the, the brands and the, the models you're throwing out there, you know, the tarp tent, the Hyperlite, the Enlightened Equipment quilt, those are not uh, inexpensive items.
2: I know. I know. And that's, that's one thing that's kind of, I've, I've had to make some sacrifices and, and budget quite a bit over the last couple of years, but I figured it's something I'd use a lot and mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be my home for months on end. So it's kind of worth the expense in my opinion. Yeah, so for some of
1: our listeners out there who are thinking, you know what? I need to get lighter. I need to uh, make a change in, how, in, in the equipment that I'm taking. And, and just those big three, the, the tent, the, uh, the quilt, and the, uh, I'm sorry, what's the last one? The, uh, the uh, pack. Um, the pack. pack, yeah. Yeah, what, what, what is that price tag, roughly,
2: for those three? Quite a um, For the three together, probably like twelve or 1300 which yeah. is not cheap but uh, it's, it's something I did look for deals. I made I, if there were any discounts, I waited to see if, if those came up. And so it's, it's helped quite a bit, but you just got to be patient and there are other options. Don't, don't feel like you have to go out there and spend that money. However, it is good quality, which, which I'm looking forward to using and getting out there with. So. Yeah.
1: And what was your buying strategy? Did you go to a major retailer or were you looking online? How did, how did that work?
2: Mainly online, mainly online. A lot of the time when I was looking was during uh, the pandemic, too. So, a lot of businesses were doing like online sales and and stuff like that, especially third party websites. But some of the cottage companies don't really distribute through third parties. You do have to look for their own sales that that happen every once in a while. But uh, you can find some deals.
1: Okay. And the question I always like to ask of my, my folks who have gone from heavy to, to ultralight, you know, how, just how serious are you about ultralight? How many, how many holes do you have drilled in your toothbrush
2: to get rid of the grams? So um, I'm actually not as much as I have invested in lighter gear. I like when you asked me for my base weight, I really had no clue, a definite number. I don't really count ounces so much. I just kind of, if my pack feels lighter, it's lighter and kind of going on that. I do, um, I did make some, some videos and I know we'll talk about that later, but I did make that toothbrush reference in one of my videos. Um, and we can chat about that later on, but for the most part, I don't really do, um, like count ounces or, or do like a base weight measurement really. I guess I could eventually, but I know some people use like lighter to put together all their, their weights and their gear, but i'm kind of lazy with that i guess (laughs) and uh nothing against people who do i just haven't gotten around to to measuring it out so yeah
1: it's a special breed of ultralighters out there who drill holes in their toothbrush and cut off all the excess excess scraps (laughs) on their pack
2: you know every little bit of of weight all power to them it's true weight is uh, a big deal out there
1: yep all right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Let's talk about your background, where you, where you grew up, what kinds of hobbies and sports you played growing up, and
2: uh, how did you get involved in the through hiking cult? Um, so I was never really huge into hiking. I know when my, my family used to do like annual camping trips and we stopped probably five years ago once we all grew up and went on to do our our separate things and Whenever we went camping, we would go on like a day hike of some sort. And I remember my dad always saying that I was always one to just kind of run ahead. So I was always ahead of the pack and and just trying to get from point A to point B. Um, But I never was truly like fascinated with the outdoors or, or hiking or anything like that until probably end of high school into early college, which was, I'd say like eight years ago eight years ago now. So, uh, but yeah, we did, we did go camping. My dad was um, very adventurous. He did a bunch of bike tours, rode his bike across the country a couple times and uh, always tried to get us outdoors and interested in, in adventure and that sort of thing. But uh, once we went on a camping trip to the white mountains, we camped right near Mount Washington. And I remember doing a little bit of research and realizing that Mount Washington was the highest point in new England highest point in the Northeast. And that really got me interested in kind of high, almost high pointing or like peak bagging, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And once we went on that hike, it kind of clicked. One of my goals was to hike the seven summits and, and hike all these larger peaks. And I ended up applying for summer jobs, working up in the whites, doing backpacking and just getting out in the woods. So it all happened rather quick. And I got this job at a traditional summer camp in northern New Hampshire, and I ended up being like a backpacking guide for kids 12 to 15, and worked my way up to assistant director of their outdoor program for, and worked there for about six years, and really grew to to like backpacking, met a ton of AT through hikers, and kind of went from there, and here we are. (laughs) And here we are. The rest is history.
1: (laughs) Very good. You mentioned the seven summits. Tell me, tell me about that.
2: Yeah. And it was, it was a brief period where I was eyeing like Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa, just something to start with something a little bit more moderate relative to the other peaks. But uh, I kind of made that my mental goal. And it's still kind of in my mind a little bit about maybe wanting to do that someday. Um, But I think just setting that goal really got me going in uh, the hiking world and and wanting to do more and more and more. So that was kind of a, a brief period. I, I kind of lost track of it. But um, I vividly remember thinking about that and, and then saying, okay, I kind of want to get outside a little bit more. So
1: yeah, seven summits. That's pretty
2: serious stuff. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I, I went on a uh, overnight in the Adirondacks with my dad. And we met this guy who's actually a doctor from upstate New York who had finished the seven summits. And he ended up giving me his business card. And at the time, I was running the outdoor club at my college. And we ended up inviting him down to speak to anyone at the school who wanted to come about his, his travels and climbing Everest and whatnot. So that also played a role in, in that inspiration. So
1: Nice. I'm going to have to get his name from you.
2: Yeah, it was um, Manoj Vora, M-A-N-O-J. V-O-R-A, last name. All right, I'll look oh, him up. Really cool guy. All right. We had, uh, earlier this
1: season, we had Alex, I'm sorry, Andrew Alexander King on the yep. podcast, and he was doing the seven summits as well as the seven highest volcanic peaks on each continent. Really? Yeah. So I'm going to have to give that
2: one a listen. Yeah. He's, he's in the middle
1: of that. Uh, he okay. Talks, he talks about the first mountain that he climbed was his his escape from Detroit as a kid and getting yep. out of that environment and so he is he uh got out of Detroit settled in with his grandparents in Hawaii and set this goal for himself and he's currently in the middle of it so pretty exciting stuff and wow. then I also had the chance to talk to Eric Larson who was okay. the only only human being to ever uh be at the North Pole the South Pole and the top of Everest in one calendar year no way so pretty impressive, pretty You've pretty had incredible. some cool people on here. That's awesome. You know what, you know I, feel else I, like I, I pale
2: in comparison. I've that. also had <laughs>
1: schmutz, I've also had schmutz on the on the podcast, so, you know, the quality is right there.
2: Sounds like an interesting guy. I don't
1: know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just you wait. Just you wait. Hey, I also love to hear about the moment where our uh, our long trail hikers first realize that there is something out there like the Appalachian Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail. You know, they, the first moment they realize that there is a, a trail that spans thousands of miles that you can walk from one end to the other. Do you remember that moment in your life when you heard about the, the AT?
2: Yeah. And I remember it, it kind of all happened when I got that job at the camp leading trips. So when I was first applying in the interview, uh, one of the staffing directors was saying, yeah, we're located right near the Appalachian Trail. I don't know if you know, it runs from Maine to Georgia. And a lot of our trips are on that trail. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. I can't believe that there's a trail that goes that far. And one of my first trips working there, I was doing Franconia Ridge, which is a really beautiful section along the trail in the whites. And I was with probably six or seven uh, 14-year-olds And we were taking a snack break up on uh, Little Haystack, which is the first peak up there. And we ran into this guy who had this like crazy beard. And I remember the girls commenting, he smells really bad. Like, why does this guy smell so bad? (laughs) And uh, I was like, oh, he's probably, he's probably hiking the trail. Let's chat with him. And it ended up, his trail name was Ghost. And apparently he was called Ghost because everyone would run into him and then they'd never see him again because either he was doing big miles or he would solo camp and he told us all about the AT and I really started to think about it at that time and and the fact that people actually hike it Um, and that continuously happened throughout my my experience there. I ran into so many people who were, were through hiking and we would stay at the campsites and the whites with them and just like pick their brain and over time I just kind of grew to to really want to hike that trail and there was one other staff member at the camp who through hiked it in 2017 and was an awesome resource for me when i was i was planning my trip i ended up talking with him and realized that wow i know someone who's done this it's, it's something i could probably do too and, and here we are so
1: <laughs> and so when, when did you start having those conversations was it was it 2018 when you started uh, talking to that uh, team member
2: um, yeah, so it was shortly after his hike. I remember seeing um, his posts on Facebook that he was planning his trip. I reached out to him. I'm like, man, this is so cool. Um, good luck, hope everything goes well and then when I kind of got the idea to do it, I reached back out to him and uh, we talked a little bit more, ended up meeting up, chatting about it and uh, it was just awesome to have somebody to talk to and and figure things out with before I I hopped on trail. So,
1: And did you do the AT, did you start out solo, or did you have a a group of uh, friends that said, hey, this is a good idea, let's do this?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I started solo, but I was solo for probably an hour. And then I ran into uh, those three at Stover Creek, which is mile two. My parents flew down to Amicalola. Um, They hiked Springer with me, and then I took off really emotional. I'm like, I'm just walking into the woods alone and I'm going to be here for the next five months. I was, I was like, what am I getting myself into? And then I rolled up and Aloha, Akman, and Falcon were like, what's up? And, uh, we hiked the first like 700 miles together and it was awesome. Nice. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, 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 it's, it's really a different feeling. I have not done full disclosure. I've not done a long trail like the PCT or the AT, but I yep. have done you know triple digit hikes, yeah. And it is it is quite the sensation of being dropped off in one location saying, Okay, we'll see you later. We'll see you two weeks from now, uh, you know, yeah. 125 miles that direction. And yeah. you you turn around and you start walking, and it is it is wild.
2: It's unreal. And it's that's one of the things they say is I truly think anyone can through hike physically, but just that mental aspect of saying, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Um can be daunting. So just finding strategies to cope. And I think other people are the best way to do that is just meeting the people on the trail. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We we frequently have conversations about, you know, what is more difficult? Is it a bigger physical challenge or a bigger mental challenge to do the long trails?
2: Yeah. Um, Personally, I think mental, I think mental, especially if you're just facing adversity every day, like rain or extreme heat or long water carries or solitude. If you're not seeing people that can be one of the hardest things to overcome. Um, and I think if you can, you can really push through things physically. If you need to take a day off, you can. Um, there are ways around that, but just getting over that mental piece is, is challenging for a lot of people. And I think that's why the numbers are so low of people not um, reaching their goals at the end. So, Yeah. Have you
1: heard of IBTAT?
2: Yeah, he's on the CDT right now. I've been watching yeah, his that's his vlogs. Right. That's right. Very good. Yeah, really cool guy. Yeah,
1: he was on he was on earlier this season, and mm-hmm. his pro tip, which was fantastic, and it goes to right right to what you're talking about, is never quit on a bad day. Yeah. And so if you're gonna quit, you know, make do it on a, do it on a good day when exactly you know, don't don't let the environment or your state of mind influence you to say you know what this is it I can't do
2: it anymore. Be tougher yeah.
1: than that, and and only quit on a good
2: day. I like that. And there there are bad days. There are bad days and there are amazing days. So I think uh another thing I hear all the time is that the worst day on trail or yeah, the worst day on trail is better than the best day in the office and that resonates quite a bit too. Don't get me wrong, I love my work, but being <laughs> out in the woods is is just a new it's just an awesome thing. So
1: just just in case your employers listening.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very good. Love you guys. Yeah.
1: <laughs> You know, my biggest fan is my mom. She's uh, she she's a frequent listener. She listens to every episode, and now she's yep. she's hooked watching Ivy Tat's YouTube videos from the CDT.
2: Oh, like, he's such a unique. <laughs> he gives such <laughs> a unique perspective. It's crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I reached out the other day and and uh, DM'd him on Instagram and told him that that my mom was watching his YouTube videos and just loves him. And he he <laughs> he got back to me and said, "Yeah, it's fun for the whole family." <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a guy!
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get down into the nitty gritty of your 2019 AT hike. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. I'm Jeff Garmeyer. I've hiked 30,000 miles in my life. and I'm 30 years old. I've done the calendar year, triple crown, the great Western loop. And this year, I'm going to be attempting the Barkley Marathons and you're listening to the John freaking mirror pod. All right. Welcome back. We're talking to Schmutz and we've got into into some of his background. Now we're going to, we're going to hear about his 2019 Appalachian trail hike. So uh, we know that you live in New Hampshire. You went down with your parents and they hiked to the top of Springer Mountain with you. Did they think you were crazy, by the way? I meant to ask you that before. Did they, when you told them, hey, mom, dad, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hike 2,200 miles. What yeah, yeah. What was their
2: reaction? Yes and no. I think um, I've heard a lot of horror stories of people, like friends and family, not being super supportive of, of trips like this. But I think my dad, coming from a background like he's, he's experienced, um, made it a little easier on him. He's a lot more easygoing. I think my mom was a little more nervous than than my dad, but uh overall they were really supportive and tried to uh kind of be supportive when they were dropping me off. I think they could see the nerves um getting to me a little bit and uh they helped a lot. I'm, I'm really happy they made the trip down and sent me off. So
1: nice. You know, I yeah. talked to talked to a guy, uh, scrapbook who did. He's a triple crowner by the time he was 21, I believe. Wow. And he did the PCT the year after he graduated high school. And he convinced his mom to drive him down to the Mexican border and drop him off as an 18-year-old. But she made him promise that if he ever had to hitch, that he would take a picture of the car and its license plate and send it to her before. (laughs) And uh, he got his first hitch on the PCT, and he got into the car, and he goes, oh, wait a second. My mom, I got to do this for my mom. I hope you don't mind he got out, he took a picture of the license plate and texted it to his mom. And, you know, just, you know, it was a great family dynamic that the mom was not yeah. concerned and that he was yeah. that respectful of her wishes and, and would do something yeah. like that. But
2: I like that. I yeah, like that. Really fun. Yeah, are, I mean, there are some, uh, some things you got to take into account that there are people that are worried about you and, and want you to succeed, but want you to be safe. So I know a lot of people will carry like the, the GPS or PLBs. Mm-hmm. Um and that's great. I think that's awesome if it makes makes loved ones feel a little bit better about you going out there, so yeah, so what was your start date for the a t uh March tenth March tenth yep, and the end date end date July nineteenth
1: so that's uh, just a little over four months, yep, that's pretty yep. good time. That's a good clip,
2: yeah, yeah i'm um I think, I think there were a couple times where I, after the trail, where I was like, oh, I should have enjoyed it a little more, you know? But um, I'm, I'm happy with my experience. There's really no regrets. But I think uh, I'm, I'm happy with the start date as well. I think it was a good time. Okay. Any, go. any zeros? Yes. Yeah. Some impromptu, some plans. Uh, but I, I probably took like 10 to 12, somewhere in that range. All right, and you met
1: up with uh, Aquaman, Aloha, and Falcon day two? Day two,
2: yeah. Day two, and spent 700 miles with them. Did you, did you finish with one or more of them? What a trip. I actually did not. After mile 700, um, I, n- I never saw them again. And it was, it was really sad. I didn't realize that was going to be the case. But uh, just the way our, our uh, paces worked out, we never really ran into each other. We got really close to each other. And then one of us would do like a big mile day or one of us would take a zero. um, And it just never worked out where we ran into each other again. But uh, post-trail, Aquaman and I actually lived together for a while as roommates.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh,
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we, he actually (laughs) lived in this apartment in Manchester for three or four months or so. Um, He got a job in the area and we had like a blast living here. We could like reminisce somebody to talk trail with, but. On trail, we didn't see each other after Daleville, Virginia. So,
1: yeah, it's it's important to talk to like-minded people. We were we were talking at the break um, when we weren't recording about how difficult it is sometimes to relate trail experiences to people who haven't been on the trail and and how they they don't seem to get it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough because it's an experience that kind of defines part of your life. And you bring it up to some friends and family or they're like, oh, sounds like a cool hike, you know, and, (laughs) and I'm like, "Ah, it was more than that. But it was a cool hike at the same time. So it's definitely a tricky situation, but totally understandable. It's an experience that you don't really get unless you're in it. So Mm-hmm.
1: Has it gotten to the point in your life, like mine, where I show up to a family function, a party, and they see me coming through the door, and people immediately avert their eyes and <laughs> go to different parts of the house?
2: Uh, I don't this know. Guy, if it's this guy's, guy's going to talk trail at me it's now. Like, oh, I'm leaving now. Yeah, <laughs> no, it hasn't. It hasn't gotten to that point. But uh, okay. I think my family's just a little too nice. They don't know when to tell me to stop. So
1: <laughs> now, was the at what you expected it to be? not having done a long trail before you, you you have a certain preconceived notion of what it might be like. Did it live up to that or was it, was it totally different?
2: Um, yes. And no, in the fact that it's just a really long hike, um, I knew going into it that it was going to be a long, long time, but at the same time, I think it went by so much quicker than I thought it would. Um, I think just every day is different. One of the things I tell people all the time is that when I go out for a hike, it's either like an out and back or a loop trail. And I think one of the things that really kept me going was the fact that I'm hiking from point A to point B and every day is going to be something different. Um, that, that was one of the most eye-opening things. I didn't really put that together before the trail. Um, and then the people. I know it's cliche, but the people were incredible. I didn't realize how close I would get to some of them. So
1: More than just the
2: three? Heard it, yeah, some
1: other folks as well. Yeah,
2: so many people. I know. Um, I hiked on and off with a bunch of different people. I think that core three at the beginning were the ones that I hiked the most with. Um, but I made some awesome connections out there. People I still talk with. Uh, I don't know if you're you know uh, Julia Sheehan. She does a lot of YouTube videos on the AT. She's she hiked in 2019 as well. I hiked with her and her crew for a little while. Met some people. Who what are now Julius, on the PCT.
1: What was Julia's trail name?
2: Uh,
1: Rocket. Rocket.
2: Rocket was her trail name. Yeah. And she'll have to explain that. To I think she explained it in some videos, but I don't want to spoil that for her. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So really cool people. I really didn't meet one person where I was like, oh, I don't really vibe with you. It was all like-minded people, people who want to just get out there and experience it. So one of the best things I've ever done.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the PCT and the AT, very different trails. Yeah,
2: yeah the, from what I've heard.
1: <laughs> yeah, the AT, there are shelters every, every 20 miles or so?
2: Less than that, like seven or eight miles, I'd say. Really? Okay. Yeah, very frequent.
1: Uh-huh. And did you spend a lot of time in the shelters, or were you uh, out in a tent somewhere?
2: Um, I tried. Whenever it was raining, I tried to get in a shelter. Um, but sometimes if they're full or there just weren't any like an ideal mileage. I would, I would set up the drifter and, and post stuff in the tent. But, uh, I did utilize the shelters quite a bit. So. Okay. Um, one, there was one night where the shelter may have saved my life. So I'll have to tell you about that. <laughs> I, I'm all ears. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was one night in Virginia, I think it was called like the Chatfield shelter and, I was hiking with recap. There's another person who joined our crew. Um, recap Falcon, Aloha and Aqua or Aquaman was not with us at the time and recap Aloha and I were in the shelter and Falcon was out hammocking. So he's a hammock camper. And this night happened to be one of the worst storms on trail. So crazy thunder, um, high gusts, high wind gusts, and a ton of rain. And Falcon had set up his hammock right outside the shelter. And we went to bed. We got to camp late. Uh, We went to bed. It was probably 9 o'clock. And this massive gust of wind came through. And we heard this cracking. And all of a sudden, just a crash, the loudest bang I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, And all of a sudden, we heard this faint help coming from outside the shelter. So I jumped up this other hiker named Marco Polo, who is, I think from Ecuador, um, jumped up as well, put our headlamps on key piece of gear. I remember telling you about that. And uh, we ran outside and Falcon was pinned underneath a pine tree um, with his hammock, the hammock that he had set up or the tree he had set up his hammock on had fully uprooted because of the heavy rain. And we had tested it before. It seemed healthy. It was alive and seemed sturdy. And that night it just crashed down. Fortunately, he was okay. A branch was poking right here between his shoulder and his head. And his tarp um, that he had over his hammock was completely shredded. So we had to push the tree off of him and kind of pull out all his stuff. And he ended up crashing in the shelter that night. But it was kind of eye-opening and we were all kind of thankful we didn't really set up outside the shelter because who knows what could have happened. So, <laughs> wow, that's yeah. a story. Yeah, it was it was scary. I wrote about it in my journal and I go back and read it every once in a while. I'm like, there's no way that actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: and so you kept the journal on the trail?
2: I did. Yep, yep. So I kept every night I would write like a page or two, uh, just recapping the day and anything crazy that happened, and put my mileage and where I camped.
1: Okay, and so if we were to pick up that journal and, and scan for crazy occurrences, what, what might we find in that journal?
2: Oof. Um, so another story, this is, I was actually solo at the time. So this is up in Maryland, which a lot of people will do uh, like the four state challenge where for those who aren't familiar, you hike from the Virginia, West Virginia line all the way to the Mason-Dixon line, which is the Pennsylvania, uh, Maryland border to you go through to from Virginia through West Virginia, Maryland and into Pennsylvania in one day. So it's about 45 miles. And I did not do that. I, I was solo hiking at the time. There were a couple spots in in Maryland that I wanted to check out. So I kind of wanted to take my time, go to Harper's Ferry. And uh, I was camping at this place called Annapolis Rocks in Maryland. Really cool view. I stayed out there for the sunset and I set up my tent. Uh, in one of the designated spots. so It was kind of like a designated campground there. And I went down, put my food on a bear pole. So they actually had poles rather than a bear box or just hanging it with line. So I put my food on the bear pole, went down and watched the sunset after dinner. And this group of probably like 18 to 20 year olds, they seemed like local day hikers. Um, they came up, they were watching the sunset they're kind of blasting music, which I was fine with. I didn't really mind too much. But uh, I think other people were getting a little aggravated. And I heard them just like throwing stuff around. And after the sunset, I left. I realized they left all their wrappers and all their trash on the cliffs there, uh, which I was bummed about. But I remember hearing one of the kids say, oh, Pop-Tarts, when uh, when I was watching the sunset. So I'm like, oh, I love Pop-Tarts. And, uh, I went back to my tent to go to bed and I realized my food bag wasn't on the bear pole where I had hung it. So I was like, what is happening? There's no way a bear came in with all these people around and and took my food off of a pole that's supposed to keep it away from them. (laughs) And so I'm like, what's going on? And then it clicked. I'm like, oh, pop (laughs) tights. So I walked back to the rocks or the cliffs and they're walking out back to the main trail. And they're carrying my like empty food bag (laughs) and they had left all the wrappers there. And, uh, so I'm like, I think that's my food bag. And I like, I did kind of go up to him and ask him about it. And they're like, Oh, whatever. They kind of dismissed it, dropped the food bag and took off. So I had, I had no food (laughs) for the next morning. Fortunately, there was this other guy day hiker there who gave me some snacks to get me through breakfast and, I had to road walk into kind of a a town that hikers don't normally go into and resupply it at a dollar general the next day, but kind of a bummer. Um, Not, not one of the best experiences on trail. And I know 99% of people out there wouldn't do something like that, but it was, it was just kind of upsetting to see. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A couple things on, on that story. Uh, Yeah. I, I always get the question. Uh, about you know the long if i'm on a if i'm on a multi-day hike you know aren't you worried about uh, other hikers and you know you know getting in trouble do you carry a gun you know that kind of stuff i'm like no people the the through hiking crowd for the most part is a very positive supportive helpful yeah uh, group of people yeah and this just kind of illustrates that these these were not through hikers these were day hikers
2: who yeah just were misbehaving yeah and i i mean Obviously, people make decisions, and it wasn't the best one. But it's every every person you come across out there is is super nice, super awesome mm-hmm. to talk to. And I think they just made a bad decision, and you know it is what it is. So
1: yeah, the second thing I want to say is that if if that had happened uh, when you were just leaving Springer Mountain, you could have been Pop Tart instead of Schmutz.
2: <laughs> I know, I know. Had I not had a trail name, that that could have been it. So. There are old, like infinite opportunities for trail names out there, but you got to stick with your, your original, I guess mm-hmm. that's my mindset. <laughs> that's right. So, all right. But, uh, so
1: how about, how about the best experience on, that wasn't a good experience. How about the best experience on the trail? What, what's your,
2: your big takeaway from the AT? Best experience um, was probably in the whites. And I know I might be a little biased I'm living in New Hampshire, I hike in the whites all the time, but, there was this one experience that involves actually the AMC huts. And I know sometimes they get a bad rap, um, but they do offer what's called a work for stay. And I know you may be familiar. Some of the viewers might not, but a work for stay is just when uh, for through hikers uh, you can go through and there are eight uh, huts throughout the whites along the Appalachian trail. And they do allow through hikers to sometimes do some chores uh, and they'll let you sleep on the dining room floor that night in exchange for some work and they'll give you maybe some leftovers of dinner and one of the best experiences I had was hiking through there and I stayed at Galehead hut I hiked one of the longest days I had in the whites it was like a 22 mile day crazy elevation I was exhausted and I got to Galehead and hoping that there was a work for stay uh, spot available because um, sometimes they're not they they're full up or they just turn hikers away. And fortunately, the hot crew there was amazing. They had leftover beef stew, I swept the floor for like 30 minutes. And they had beef stew, we ended up playing board games, there were a couple other through hikers there. And it was people I had just met. And we were hanging out kind of laughing, making jokes like we had known each other for months. And that's just kind of one of the experiences that the trail can provide. And it's something that you go into the morning saying, okay, here's another day of hiking, but what's today going to bring me? And you have no clue. That's what's going to, that's, what's going to go down. So it's really special. But,
1: that is a nice uh,
2: balance out of the earlier negative negatives. Oh yeah. That's so the, the good stories outweigh the bad. Trust me.
1: <laughs> yeah. What was your, you said that was a, that was a long day at 22 miles. What was your longest day on the trail?
2: um longest was in vermont i did like 36 miles i think like 36 mile day and my feet felt like they were gonna fall off i was i don't know why i chose that terrain to do my longest day but i just felt motivated one morning or one night and i went to bed early i'm like tomorrow i'm gonna wake up at 4 a.m and just push and just see what i can do and i ended up doing like 36 i went over a couple of the big peaks i think it was like bromley and stratton that day and i got to camp and ended up just having to like ice my feet and downstream just like because i like couldn't walk the next day i was hobbling into town to resupply but uh yeah i'd say like 36 miles
1: okay that's that's enough no, nothing to sneeze about that's good
2: yeah it's it a long
1: day it was <laughs> and um speaking of injuries did you suffer any any major injuries on the 2200 plus miles
2: um so i did have uh pretty bad shin splints near like irwin so probably mile three or four hundred um i ended up staying at a hostel for like three days icing my shins and then slowly upping the miles from there so it was pretty early on i didn't quite have my trail legs yet but uh once i got through there i started going slowly i ended up figuring out stretches that really worked for me and from there on out I had no injuries really um I did end up getting Lyme disease so that was the other bad thing I was up in Connecticut which is actually where I'm from originally and at that point I was cranking I was doing like 20 mile days pretty consistently Mm -hmm. and there was one day where I just started feeling crazy like insanely fatigued I could only do two to three miles and I'd have to sit down and catch my breath and couldn't really hike more than five miles total in a day and I'm like what is going on this is not normal and I other than that I didn't really have any other symptoms so fortunately my parents lived about an hour away they live in Connecticut so I called my mom I'm like I don't know what's happening I might need to take a couple of days off. I did some low mileage days and 3 days went by same thing. So, I called, I ended up going to urgent care. They put me on doxycycline um for Lyme disease and I took like 2 days and then got back on trail and felt back back to normal. So, luckily I caught it early. And you got you get Lyme disease from ticks, right? Yeah, so I didn't see the tick. I did see a couple ticks on me throughout the trail, but i never saw like a ring or, or where it had bit me. Um, so always do your tick checks on the AT and make sure, make sure you're looking out for them, especially after like April or May, because that's when they'll, they'll really come out.
1: Yeah. The five mile days and exhaustion that happens at the beginning of the, of the long hike doesn't, doesn't, shouldn't be happening up in Connecticut.
2: Yeah, I was, super confused and i was i was pretty stoked to get to connecticut and then that happened it kind of put a damper on it but it was still still a good experience the home state what would
1: uh before i ask this question take us to the end of end of the hike mount katahdin what was what was that that final day like i know there's there's probably a lot of emotions that that ran through you you know the whole time you've been looking forward to to uh you know something ahead of you and in short order it's gonna it's gonna be over with it's gonna be done and so how
2: did how did that play out in your mind yeah i um once i hit monson which is like the last resupply before the 100 mile and then katahdin i was coordinating because i i actually had two friends from home who were going to meet me um and hike katahdin and then drive me back to connecticut um so I coordinated with them. I didn't really have a ton of service. There was like one spot in the 100-mile wilderness where I did. So I was like three days out from Baxter, which is the state park where Katahdin is. And I called my friend. It was like really patchy service. I'm like, I'll be at this point at Katahdin Stream Campground at, the, at like 6 a.m. on this day. And fortunately, I made it there at that time. I spent the night at the Thru Hikers Campsite at the, the campground just before Katahdin. And they drove in um, right when I said they were the first car there. It was like a seven-hour drive from Connecticut. And just seeing familiar faces then was one of the coolest things. And that combined with the end of the trail was amazing. It was just such a cool feeling. We hiked the the peak together. And uh, getting to the top, I was not really as emotional as I thought I would be. I've, I've seen all these videos of people being really emotional. And that's sort of what I anticipated, but, um, getting up there, I feel like I was expecting this just grand finale, like fireworks and, and just excitement and and all this. But at the end of the day, it was another, another mountain and a a sign. And I'm like, wow, that's it. It's over. Um, don't get me wrong. I was happy. My friends were there to help celebrate and it was just a, a really happy time, but it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't what I expected. So mm-hmm. it left me wanting more. Let's just say that. <laughs>
1: okay. And hence, that's why we're doing the PCT, right? Yep. Okay. Now, if if uh, Schmutz at Mount Katahdin could whisper into the ear of Schmutz heading up Springer Mountain, what would, what would he tell him?
2: Um, take your time. I think, I know we talked about how it was like four, a little over four months that I hiked the trail. And after, there were some times where I'm like, wow, I wish I kind of just like sat back, took a nap, sat at a, a view for a little longer. Because when I got to the end, I'm like, oh, I want more. This is it. Um, so I'd probably tell him to to enjoy it. Take your time. Unless you need to be somewhere at a certain point, don't push it. Just kind of enjoy it. If you need to take a zero, take a zero. If you're with people you like hiking with, hike with them. So... That's sort of what, what I would say. Yeah.
1: That is almost a metaphor for life, isn't it? We start, so. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna get metaphysical here for a little bit. Let's we, hear we, it. Let's we, hear we, it. You know, we we all start at Springer Mountain, right? In our lives. We, you know, we're born and yeah. we, we all finish at Katahdin. And learning to live in the moment and appreciate what you have when you have it, I think is one of the most difficult skills to acquire because you're always, you know, as a kid, you're always looking forward. I was looking forward to when I can drive, when I can go to college, when what is my career gonna be? When am yeah. I gonna get married? You're always looking forward. And at some point in your life, you start looking backward. You know the you know the the good old days. And I remember when and and this and that. And yeah. very rarely do we stay in the moment. And so I think your advice is a perfect example of that. You know, enjoy what you have when you have it.
2: Yeah. And I think um just moving forward, that's gonna be my mindset um on any future hikes just live in it if you're with people that then you're having a good time why rush it you know Mm -hmm. so okay before
1: we move on from the at any any other things you want to share um
2: not really not really i think it was a great experience yeah
1: (laughs) good good all right hey before we go to break let's 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 talk a little bit about uh the new hampshire four thousand footers is that uh experience that you've had or a goal you have
2: it is yeah and I I have kind of been inching to the finish line on those so there are the 48 4,000 footers in the whites and a lot of people it's a really big accomplishment to finish those 48 and I've had it in my mind I'm at 43 right now Um, and I've just kind of been working slowly slowly adding more and more but I think with my job uh, at the summer camp where I was leading trips I got a lot of them uh, checked off and I think since then it's just kind of been a little bit slower so I'm trying to get out there and do do a little bit more but at the same time again enjoy it because the ones I have left are maybe not the most exciting but uh, so sometimes I feel like oh I want to go up to the whites and really get a good view but so the ones I have left might not have a view so I'm I'm kind of prioritizing enjoying the hike over just checking a box so we'll Um, we'll get there we'll get there we'll finish the 48 soon Uh, very good (laughs)
1: what would you say to maybe some west coast or midwest people who live you know near the sierras or in the rockies and say "4,000 feet come on that's not that's not too tall i mean
2: yeah i mean i think a mountain's a mountain i I, i'm not going to discount the difficulty of of the whites just because their elevation they are very difficult especially they're known for their Just boulders along the trail, you're walking up Mm -hmm. boulders rather than a a level path. Um but again, yeah, you don't get that high elevation. You might not have less oxygen at the top. Um, but you do start at a lower elevation. So the the prominence, I guess, is a little bit right similar. And people don't don't tend to realize that. So yeah. I don't know. I think I think a hike's a hike, and and I would hike a 14 or just as much as I would want to hike a 4,000 footer. So,
1: yeah, that's a, it's a great point about the starting point. I mean, if you, if you're hiking a 14 and the trailhead starts at 9,000 feet, well, that's not much different than, than, than yeah. 4,000. It starts at zero. Yeah. Right. So, yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, each hikes different though. So you might have a 14 er that's insanely technical and you might have a 4,000 footer. That's a little bit easier, you know? So I, I don't think you can really compare the two. I think they're just different. Right.
1: And not a lot of switchbacks on the AT. Is it the same for the uh, for the four thousand uh, four thousand voters in New uh, not Hampshire? at
2: all? So the whites and the AT in general are just notorious for going up, just yeah. up. Yeah,
1: that's another um, that's another point in their favor. I mean, yeah, not having switchbacks. As much as I complain about switchbacks, I mean they do you a favor by oh, yeah. uh, zigzagging up the mountain instead of going straight up.
2: Yeah, there's one point. Uh, sorry to go back to the AT. There's one point on the AT after Mahusik Notch, which is. Known as one of the hardest miles on the trail. It's in southern Maine. And after the notch, you come to this this mountain called Mahoosic Arm. And it's one of the most vertical trails I've ever been on. And I'm like, it would would it kill them to put a switch back on here? Cause I'm <laughs> I'm literally just I'm climbing. This is like a an actual like probably like a five-four climb, like rock climbing route. And just looking at it, I'm like, this is insane. So they are notorious for just going straight up, which is, is sometimes frustrating. But <laughs> All right.
1: And so when do you expect to finish those?
2: Um, I'm hoping to check a bunch off this spring. I, I don't want to go when it's too muddy. So I'm going to probably as later May and early June roll around, I'm going to crank out a bunch to train for the PCT. So I'm hoping to get some, some out of the way in the next month or so.
1: Okay. And when is the departure date for the southbound PCT hike?
2: So I'm keeping an eye on the snow. So Washington had a pretty hefty snow year there. I think they're still at like 120 or 130% of average. Um, But right now I'm, I'm aiming for first week of July. So I do have a permit for July 3rd um, and I'm hoping that's the sweet spot and that's when I can hop on trail. But, uh, we'll see, we'll see what the snow does and and what's going on there. So,
1: okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into the planning and preparation and strategy for a southbound PCT hike. Stay tuned for that. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, hiker trash. This is ginger balls. You're listening to the John Frickin' mirror podcast.
1: and welcome back schmutz you have to tell me what where did you get your your idea to do a southbound pct hike cuz i've talked to a number of people who've done the pct but it's all been northbound so where where did you get this idea
2: yeah i um at, at the beginning i thought i was crazy even thinking about it but a lot of the decision came based on my work so i know i haven't mentioned it yet but i am a a teacher so i teach middle school science and I obviously don't want to ditch them for, uh, for March or April for a northbound hike. So I, th- I figured I'd stick out the year, finish in mid June and then hit the trail in early July. So mainly the main decision was with, uh, work and, and kind of time constraints. So,
1: okay. Junior high school science. Yep. So my son who occasionally co-hosts with me, uh, his yep. name is jukebox and okay. he, he is a high school English teacher. Just, just no started. Yep, just started. Awesome. And of course, I used to be a high school principal. I now wow. At, I now work at our district office. So I love it. Education, edu- education oh, is a, a <laughs> great field. Yep. Uh, I'm curious. I don't think you're going to finish before school starts.
2: Yep. And I, yeah, I have been uh, seeing that. Unless I'm putting in like record mileage, I I anticipate finishing like end of October, early November, which is into the next school year. So I have let my school know that i won't be coming back starting in september um if there is an opening there i'd be happy to return and and i talked with my principal and they're really supportive of it um but i do anticipating finding another position once i once i hop off trail all
1: right very good when do you anticipate going through agua dulce
2: agua dulce what mile is that you know well i well i can do the math
1: it's 454 okay. miles from the Mexican border. So it's okay. about uh, 2,200 miles from where you're starting.
2: So I'm hoping to be to Kennedy Meadows, like first or second week of October. So I want to say mid-October, mid to late October, I'd be in Aguadulce. So we'll see. I don't know. That's that's if everything goes well and, and everything goes to plan, so...
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to commit right now that if you need a resupply in the Sierras, I can come up over Kearsarge Pass and do a resupply. Or I could, I could do some trail magic for you in Agua Dulce as you're coming through.
2: I got to take you up on that. That would be huge. All yeah, right. Just, I've been just reach out. <laughs> I've been looking at the Sierra resupply and, and also the water situation in the fall and the desert. So I'm, I'm kind of planning that right now and looking at my options. So that's a huge help. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Now we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you know the AT and the PCT, two very different trails. They're both very long, thousands of miles, but yep. uh, very different personalities. I, from what I know, uh, from my discussions with folks, AT, uh, they call it the Green Tunnel. Yep. Right, you need a lot of, lot of uh, foliage and a lot and of leaves, a lot, a lot of leaves <laughs> in, in amongst the trees. Yep. Uh, PCT, there are some areas like that, but there's also areas where you're up above the tree line for uh, quite a, quite a while. And there's, yep. there's nothing but rocks, granite, incredible views, alpine lakes. Um, AT also has, you know, close proximity to civilization. I mean, there's yep. towns all along it. Yep. Uh, and there are parts of the PCT where it's pretty remote. What, are you ready for that? What do you think?
2: I think I am ready for it. It's definitely going to be um, eye-opening. And I think uh, going southbound, I know – um with Washington there the passes going through there's like uh White Pass Snoqualmie all those um I think just like getting my feet under me there and and relying on those towns some of the there are like some small stores right on the trail there Uh, but once I get to the Sierra I know I'm going to be in terrain that's very different from the AT I'm not going to have a one mile hitch into a town to uh to find a supermarket so I am preparing for that. I know that's going to be another mental struggle knowing I, I'm not right at like with touch with civilization. So going into it, I am aware, but it's uh, something I'm, I'm kind of excited for that remote feel is going to be cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And so. what kind of research have you done leading up to this
2: hike? Um, I've looked at uh, resupply where I'm, if I'm probably going to end up shipping a couple boxes, I do like resupplying as i go i don't i don't necessarily like relying on boxes i my family sent me one box on the at but otherwise i resupplied on trail um so i did i did figure out the stops where supplies are limited and i'm probably going to send boxes to a couple places but um for the most part my, my resupply strategy will be uh resupply as i go if i can so
1: now, I, I know you watched to measure a mile. Were there any other YouTube channels or videos or even, you know, um, blogs out there that you found very valuable?
2: Yeah. So I have, um, I've been looking at a lot of the surveys. I know there's a website halfway anywhere, does some PCT surveys. Uh, I know most of their info is, is biased to North but I did get a lot of resupply info from there. Yeah, Mac from Halfway
1: Anywhere, the creator of Halfway Anywhere, he was also like Schmutz. He was a guest on the the John Freaking Muir pod. So nice,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah he seems like a cool guy. I like his style of writing. I think it's, it's funny. Hilarious. He's a funny guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been a really cool resource. Uh, I did watch. I know. I don't know if you've seen Meow Hikes. He's a YouTuber who's been releasing episodes from his Southbound PCT hike. I think it was 2019. He hiked it and he's been putting out footage from those hikes on YouTube recently. So I've been, I've been keeping up with that. Um, and there are a couple other Southbound guides on online, like websites that are everything Sobo. So those have been really helpful as well. Um, but for the most part, a lot of the info is, is Northbound related or Mm -hmm. or kind of geared toward nobos. So,
1: Right. And were you able to convince Aquaman, Aloha, Falcon, or Recap to uh, join you in this adventure?
2: Um, Unfortunately, no. So, Aloha is actually finishing up school. So, I know he has another semester of school. Um, um, Aquaman, I know, has plans for some trails, but I think he wants to do like the Arizona Trail or the PCT Nobo and kind of link a couple trails together um he's really athletic really um talented hiker and and gets out there and puts in big miles and he has a plot like a really big plan and i don't really want to infringe on that uh, but i know if he were to come out for a section he i'm sure he'd be happy to do that yeah we um, talked to
1: we talked to jeff garmeyer who goes by legend who did yeah. the great western
2: loop yep which is I just seven saw he finished seven
1: thousand miles
2: yeah that's yeah. insane yeah insane i know i actually follow him he just finished an ultra yeah the 250 the
1: the cocodona
2: yeah that guy's an animal yeah insanely impressive yeah he was so fun to talk to yeah yeah he he was saying i think he was saying i was just watching his instagram stories he was like hallucinating towards the end of that trip or that that ultra so that's something i kind of want to get into is is trail running at some point i think it would be a good uh a good thing to do when i'm not on a long trail Mm -hmm. get out there and just run and so
1: yeah, he he did the Great Western Loop, he did the Cocodona 250 and before he did the Cocodona, he did uh, the Barkley Marathons. Wow. That is cool. His his first time at the Barkley and yeah. I I've, I've yet to get a lot of detail out of him about he didn't finish, <laughs> but I, yeah. I I definitely want to hear his experience. So Yeah, I mean
2: that thing that is a gnarly race from what I've heard. I've I actually did quite a bit of research on it recently and it's so interesting just the traditions they have with it. Yeah. One of, one of my favorite topics. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, really, yeah. So I've been using a bunch of different resources. I know the the fam from the AT can't really make it so this year, but I'd love to have them if I could.
1: <laughs> okay. So I know mom and dad flew you down to Springer Mountain and, and did a yep.
2: little bit of a hike with you. Are they going to do the same thing on the PCT? Um, I actually have plans with my brother and my good friend who are actually helping. And I won't spoil it with the the filming. But, uh, we're actually going to do a road trip out there in late June and they're going to drop me off. And I'm actually starting with a friend who I worked with in the whites for like five years. He's, uh, he's based out in Washington and we're going to, we're going to start the trail together, which is unique for me.
1: Nice. And you mentioned filming there. There is a, an associated documentary project with this hike. Is there not?
2: There is, there is. So it's called Sobo and I know we couldn't, not too creative, but, uh. We, uh, we are going to be filming. My brother and my good friend are really talented filmmakers. They have a lot of experience with it. And they approached me about a project of filming a long-distance hike. And we've been doing a lot of pre-production stuff. Um, we launched a website. We have some social media going on. Um, and our plan is to, to kind of film it. They won't be hiking the trail with me. I am going to get some camera equipment and do sort of a raw experience type shoot for the, the trail. Um, but the plan is to, to film the journey. So, uh, it means the base weight's going to go up. I know, I know. But again, it's, it's, uh, if it feels heavy, it feels heavy, but I'm just going to get a lightweight camera and get some SD cards and a charger and very minimal. I'm not going with a big camera. So, okay. Don't
1: weigh (laughs) the pack beforehand either. Just put it (laughs) on and go.
2: I'm just going to throw my scale out the window before I leave. (laughs) Ignorance is bliss sometimes. (laughs) Very so,
1: good. So where'd, where'd you cope with the idea for the, the documentary project?
2: Yeah. So my, my buddy, Liam, who's uh, one of the, the co-directors of the film is again, a filmmaker. I've, I've kind of roped him into some of my hiking trips and brought him up to the whites last fall. And we did some, some overnights and he saw my experience on the AT and we talked about my journaling and some of my Instagram stories and what uh, he he approached me and said, what if we filmed your journey and kind of documented it and, and made a, a film about it. I was like, that'd be super cool. So when he heard I got a permit and I was planning on doing the trail, uh, things kind of fell into place. So,
1: All right. And, and uh, any ideas about the scope of the project? How long, how long do you think this is going to be in terms of uh, minutes for the the documentary?
2: Yeah, we haven't really put a definite number on it. I'm, depending on the footage I capture and, and the kind of the message we're putting across with it anywhere from 45 minutes to 90 minutes. So mm-hmm. somewhere in that range, but we do plan on launching it on YouTube and maybe entering some festivals depending on how it turns out. So we haven't really planned the after we got to get it filmed first and right. Just kind of see where it goes. We don't have any, any really scope of, of a definite duration of it. So,
1: okay. And a lot of narration from you on the trail, a lot of post-production narration. What do you think?
2: Yeah, so the cool thing is with John, who I'm hiking with, who lives in Washington, is one of the funniest people I've ever met. And he actually plans on bringing a camera as well. So one thing I did learn from watching the To Measure a Mile doc is that I think something he said was none of the shots were were planned. He kind of just film the experience as it happened and that's sort of kind of my goal as well i want to document um our journey and any any jokes that happen or funny things that happen i just want to get like raw footage of that and figure it out after in the editing and post-production so i don't really have i don't really have a plan of of narration obviously if there's something big happening i'll do like a vlog style if i need to but Mm -hmm. i really also want to get the people on the trail and show Show what the interactions with other hikers are like, so
1: very good, so I, I'm looking forward to that. You'll have to uh, keep in touch with the with the podcast here so we can promote that as well
2: yeah, absolutely
1: absolutely okay what what are the numbers of southbound hikers on the PCT each year?
2: do you know um i don't know like a definite number annually, like a total number I know for permitting they give out over like a month and a half period, they give out 15 permits per day. Uh, That's for a through hike PCTA permit. Obviously some people self permit along the trail so they can get individual permits for each forest or park that they walk through. Um, But I want to say percentage wise, it's somewhere around five to 10% of through hikers go southbound. So whatever that adds up to, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. (laughs)
1: Okay. And then once you've got the PCT under your belt, you got to do the CDT, right? Triple crown.
2: Yeah. I mean, come on. I don't want to have a crown with with two prongs. I got to get that third one. So um, yeah, I don't have any plans for it. Obviously budgeting and and work are going to play a role in that, but Mm -hmm. maybe the two year gap between is going to hold true for the CDT as well. So who knows? I'm just kind of guessing at this point, but the CDT it is on my radar.
1: Okay, and the big question, of course, will be northbound or southbound? Because you've done one of each <laughs> I know, now. I know. By they have to do
2: a flip-flop. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'd probably go northbound on the CDT, but uh, that all depends on on timing with work and, and what I can do mm-hmm. with, with time off. So. Okay. Yep.
1: Now, I've been looking forward to talking to you for a number of reasons, one of which is this next topic, which is your TikTok hiking content. My daughter, who I mentioned earlier, Half Calf, she's been all yep. over me about, yep. Dad, you need to get some some hiking TikTok content put together. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? What's going on? So I understand that you have some experience with TikTok hiking content.
2: Yeah, and it's kind of unexpected experience, I guess. I originally, like, it was probably last... I guess I've been on the the app for a long time, but I didn't really start putting out content until last September or so. So it's been seven, eight months. Um, But I ended up putting a video out. I normally just watch videos and scroll kind of endlessly on there more than I should. Go down the TikTok rabbit hole. I know, I know. And uh, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I'm not really seeing a ton of hiking stuff. And this was probably over a year ago now. So the school year had just started and I for some reason just decided to throw together a montage of some clips from the AT and I put together like whatever it was like a 30 second video and posted it on TikTok and it kind of took off it kind of blew up I think it got like like 50,000 likes and like 400,000 views and People were commenting like, oh, what was it like asking so many questions about through hiking? And I realized there was kind of a a gap in TikTok and that community wasn't really established at the time. Um, So I started posting videos answering people's questions and showing my gear and talking about routines on the trail. And then it sort of shifted to more of a comedic style. So I did uh, more satire videos, um, voiceovers. So there are audio tracks on TikTok where you can do mm-hmm. like a voiceover and stick to trends. And I just geared all my videos toward hiking and slowly started gathering a small following on there. So it's been, it's been weird, but not expected. <laughs> and what is a small
1: following on TikTok? Um, I think...
2: Just that first video, I gained like 2,000 followers on there. And I was like, what is happening? I guess people are interested in this. And since then, I think I'm at, I'm at like 42,000 now. So it's, wow. it's kind of gone up quite a bit. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to kind of incorporate that into the PCT. But I know I'm also filming the documentary. So I don't want to really be on my phone or technology the entire hike. I really want to experience it for what it is. So I'm trying to figure out a balance of what on trail is going to look like in terms of that.
1: So Schmutz, can you help me out with my my foray into TikTok? Can you put out a, a little John freaking MirrorPod promotional TikTok uh <laughs> out to your out to your viewers?
2: Yeah. When we uh you should make an account and we'll do a uh we could even do a live together and, and talk about things or and I can post like a little video once this is released. And I'm totally cool doing that. Yeah.
1: Done. We'll do it. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> sweet Very good all right hey we're coming back to the wheel of wilderness we've already co- covered a couple of topics but i want to take you through real quick uh some yep. of the other topics on the wheel here let's do so, it so we heard about trail name and the story behind it we heard about the headlamp i'm assuming yep. that's uh, one of your favorite pieces of gear yeah how about yeah. uh how about most embarrassing trail moment
2: oh man um most embarrassing trail moment uh Probably, mm, I'm trying to think. Um, when, okay, so when I uh, went into, so we went into Boone, North Carolina. Falcon had a, uh, a house in Boone. And so we got off at Elk Park, I think right after the Rhone Highlands. Um, it's probably mile 400 something. And we took a zero, or took like a Nero there. And we went to a thrift shop. And I ended up getting this, like, what I thought was the coolest outfit ever for hiking. It was, like, I spent, like, $3 on the outfit. And <laughs> and I rocked out of town. I'm, like, this is sick. I'm, like, rocking this, this, like, V-neck, crazy, like, floral shirt. These, like, new blue, like, neon shorts. And I thought I was, like, the coolest person on trail. And, like, the next day, we got this torrential rainstorm. And for some reason, I decided to get a cotton v-neck shirt <laughs> and so every day from that day forward it was just me trying to dry out this shirt and i could never wear it because it's just dripping wet the entire time so fortunately i had like a synthetic shirt as a backup so i would be wearing that and i had this cotton shirt just like rocking on the back of my pack all day people are like what's that i'm like don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, i'd you say were, you were yeah. the coolest
1: guy on trail till it started
2: raining For like a half hour. There you go. Nice. All right. Best campsite. Best campsite. uh, Round Bald's right after Carver Gap um, in the Roan Highlands. We cowboy camped up there. The AT, I feel like cowboy camping isn't as common as the PCT. Um, So we we got one good weather night and this beautiful view on one of these balds in the Roan Highlands. And I was with... Banks evergreen and this guy McFly, and we all just put down our our sleeping pads and sleeping bags and watched the sunset, how to fire, and just enjoyed it and woke up to like torrential winds in the morning, but it was really cool, one of my favorite campsites epic yeah, worst campsite um worst campsite, I feel like I have way more of these. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there were plenty of times where I set up the drifter and literally woke up drifting in water so I was like I was I I had a uh inflatable pad and there was one night it was actually in Maine beautiful beautiful campsite on a lake but I picked like the worst spot to set up my tent and I woke up floating in water and like I got out of my tent to like dry off and then just got swarmed with mosquitoes. <laughs> it was it was uh like early July, late June and it was like peak mosquito season up there. So I just couldn't win that night, I guess.
1: <laughs> that's a that's bad news all the way around.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The view is good. So I kind of made up for it, but <laughs> Yeah. All right. Favorite trail moment so far. Favorite trail moment um probably I'm going to pronounce this. I always pronounce this wrong. It's uh, McAfee Knob, which is in Virginia. It's what's called part of the Triple Crown in Virginia. It's McAfee Knob, Tinker Cliffs, Dragon's Tooth. And McAfee Knob is the most photographed spot on the Appalachian Trail. And so we sunrise-hiked it. We woke up really early, camped like two miles below it. All like went up for the sunrise. And the sun rose and it was just completely socked in with clouds. And this sounds like the worst experience, but it was actually one of the best. Um, So we're like, okay, I'm not leaving until I have a view of this, this knob. (laughs) So we all sat there for probably three hours, ate like a long breakfast, took a nap because we woke up so early and all of a sudden the clouds just lifted and we had this incredible view of the valley and, and tinker cliffs off in the, off in the distance. So, the way it was worth it. And we all just kind of vibed that morning and just kind of hung out and it was a really cool time. So, Sounds magical. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, it was good.
1: And last one, think about the, uh, the PCT the question is what's up ahead
2: that you're dreading? What's up ahead. So you mean like in terms of my next through hike? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, probably. So I've heard, and you could probably reassure me on this, but I've heard with a southbound hike that the desert isn't the most climactic ending to a through hike after going through Washington, the Sierra. Um, But I'm trying to find like a silver lining with it and just, it just find something to look forward to with the desert. Um, And I know there are some really cool spots with it, but I've heard that it's not the best ending to a through hike. So I'm trying to mentally prepare for that and, and kind of power through those seven hundred miles and find some some good things about it. Yeah, so. you
1: will you will absolutely find some good things about it, some epic things about it. Cool. Uh, each of each of the different parts of the PCT is, has its own personality. The desert, the Sierras, Oregon, Washington yeah. all all very different personalities. The desert, though, uh, is a magical place, and it's it's not what you're thinking. It's not just a, a, a barren desert. It's not like the Sahara. I and mean, yep. there's, there is a lot of uh, cool places in the desert. In fact, uh, Barney Scout man in his, his book journeys North um, described some of that desert as having sky islands. You actually, you, you will wow. have some ascents in the desert and, and end up, you know, thousands upon thousands of feet higher than the desert in, in certain yeah. places looking down and it's just incredible. So I think, yeah. I think you're in for a surprise.
2: Yeah. And I've heard there are some really cool peaks in the desert some actual like i've been seeing some northbounders posting and they they do seem to be having a really good time and finding those cool spots there so Mm -hmm. i think i think i'm just kind of taking all the negatives i've heard and manifesting those in my mind so it's good to hear there are some some really cool spots yeah yep all right hey schmutz you know where we are is it time
1: it's time (laughs) inside of the week what do you have for us i've been
2: waiting i've been waiting. So one thing that happened on the AT for me was weight loss. So I know it happens to a lot of hikers, but, um, I did lose a lot of weight. I lost like 30 pounds on the trail. Some people like my friends who met me at Katahdin said I looked like a different person when I, when I finished. And one thing that happened when I lost weight. Hang on a second, 30 pounds. How much did you weigh when you started? Like 170, I was 140 when I finished.
1: Wow, that's drastic.
2: And I'm, I'm 6'2", so I looked very thin, yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, so I finished. And one thing that happened on the trail as I lost weight is my hip belt on my pack stopped fitting properly. So it ended up being too bad. I, like, maxed out the, the straps on there. I couldn't tighten it anymore. So I'm like, am I going to need to get a new pack? Like, how's this going to work? Um, so I ended up, do you know, those Thermarest sit pads? Mm -hmm. Um, so for those that don't know, it's like a closed cell mat, but it's, it's like a one foot by one foot insulated like pad that you can sit on if the ground's wet or, um, put stuff on or whatever you need to. And I found like six uses for that sit pad. So I'm going to give you a couple of uses for those who have the pad. Um, if you don't have it, um, you can find it pretty cheap online, so it is one of the more affordable pieces of gear, and it's um, pretty light. It is light. I think it's like six ounces, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you so, count
1: if you count ounces, I guess. Uh, I don't. Yeah,
2: I don't yeah. know what I was thinking with that. I don't know. <laughs> um, but one thing I did use: um, if your hip belt is getting loose, I folded the sit pad in half and I would tuck it between my waist and the the backpack. And so that kind of allowed me to, to get some more space in there so I could tighten my backpack a little more so it's not riding on my shoulders. So I actually rocked that. And you can see my pictures of the AT. I have the sit pad like wedged between there. Um, so that actually really helped for those who have an oversized pack and you don't want to invest in a new one. But another use I found for it was when you're camping, if you have an inflatable pad and you, you're a side sleeper like you Doc, mm-hmm. and you're, you're bottoming out, sleeping on your side like your hips hitting the ground Um, especially a cold night you can tuck that pad the sit pad underneath your inflatable so wherever your hip is hitting one it's more padding and two you're more insulated so you're not going to lose as much body heat so those are two uses i really found for that pad other than sitting and having it as like a kitchen when i'm cooking so
1: that is a unique and great pro tip thank you very much
2: schmutz you
1: got it yeah (laughs) So there you have it. That's it. This bonus episode for season two is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Schmutz. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Schmutz, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures?
2: So all of my handles, so Instagram, TikTok. I'm Matt's lion. So it's Matt lions, but the S is after the A or the Matt. So Matt at Matt's lion. Um, we also have, for the documentary we have at Sobo doc um, and TikTok is at Sobo documentary and our website is sobodoc.com. So you can find us in all those places, but uh, I'm going to be posting updates from the trail and I'm, I'm stoked to keep you guys updated.
1: Fantastic. Yeah. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at John at gmail.com. Schmutz, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, or a website, uh, or a YouTube channel that will help our listeners keep connected to outdoor adventures. We're calling this our Outdoor Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for sure. us? Sure. I really
2: want to, I want to shout out my friend, Julia. I think she puts together some really good videos. So okay. Julia Sheehan on YouTube. She's on Instagram as well. We hiked together for a while on uh, the AT, and she has some cool stuff. So you can check her out. All right. Very good.
1: And before we wrap things up, I'm, uh, I've got another segment that I'm calling. What have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me about? That's just so I make sure that I don't miss anything.
2: <laughs> um, what my other hobbies are, some other hobbies. Okay. So one of the, uh, when I'm not through hiking, I'm not, I'm not the biggest winter hiker. So here in New Hampshire, when the winter comes around, I will get out. I'll snowshoe every once in a while and throw on the micro spikes, but I really like snowboarding. So getting out and hitting the slopes every once in a while. So any outdoor activity in the winter that I can find, so snowboarding has been my go-to. Yeah.
1: All right. Very <laughs> good. That's a wrap from the John Muir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Schmutz?
2: Mom and dad. Got a shout out mom and dad. So they brought me down to uh, Georgia. So they've been really supportive and can't thank them enough. So nice.
1: Thank <laughs> you for tuning in. That's right. <laughs> Classic. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck.